0: <laughs> you went and saw ninja turtles <laughs> twice
1: <laughs> no uh, yeah it was so good man <laughs> eh.
0: eh. i sat with the <laughs> wife i fell asleep on it
1: what how could, even just the animation itself should have kept you awake
0: no the animation wasn't was great the animation was amazing i love the new world of animation but I've been a Ninja Turtles fan since I was nine and I was extremely disappointed. Okay. Why was the Ninja Turtles so good?
1: Well, do you do what my answer? Why the Ninja Turtles is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait, 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 you, oh, the, there two the, other, wait, wait, the new one answers? or the world, just a second, the world or the new one, which are you asking about the world of the Ninja Turtles?
0: Well, I I love the world of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, me too. Oh, I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. I yep. love it. Um, but the new one strayed heavily from that world to me.
1: Oh, totally. It was a it was a whole new origin story. It was a completely different origin story.
0: But it's not the Ninja uh, Turtles of my youth.
1: Yes, I could uh, that de- definitely is I mean, it, but it's like Spider-Man where but the, but, you get no. a bunch of different origin stories. I mean, well, that's what that's what we do now. That I'm I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying I hate you, this world. <laughs> <laughs> it's a but this is this is a breakdown like what we were talking about last time where the assumption is everything's going to fit together and so you tr- so consistency uh, is valued. We don't people don't value consistency anymore. So you have to. Well, how did you that. love
0: the new Ninja Turtles and see it twice if you know that's the
1: okay? So that because that because they they make up for it. One, you've got they, they some of the oh. things that they they did keep consistent that were really important. There were turtles.
0: There (laughs) There was a rat
1: (laughs) that still have the, they still have the personalities of the, the four humors, right? So you've still got, Uh you've got the, that kind of medieval four personality uh, mixture um, that always works really well. You've got Mm -hmm. the strong father, right? You have this incredibly strong father. uh, That is the reason that you can have Uh, teenagers with that kind of power and it's okay, right? Because normally if you say, Hey, we're going to give immense power to teenagers, it's a story of things going all wrong, right? You get Shazam um, where you give him the power and it's like, Oh, Oh, ah, you know, and he barely holds it together. And, um, but you, you get, you have these four Ninja turtles with incredible power, but because they had splinter as a father, because they had an incredibly strong father who really um, taught them self control and discipline and you know all of that. It's a blessing to the world to have incredibly strong teenagers. Uh, so that, and they kept all of that. That's the, I think that's the heart of the story is the, um, the really, really strong, powerful teenagers okay. that are a blessing because they have an even stronger and more powerful and loving and, Disciplined father. All right.
0: So let's just stop right there. That's really good because I think I agree with you with everything except for <laughs> one
1: thing. Did you fall asleep? So you don't get to say anything because <laughs>
0: uh, uh, <laughs> there are a few things woke me up. I'm going to go back and watch it because I fell asleep. So I, it woke, I woke back <laughs> up
1: and watched some of it, but it was, mm. uh,
0: but so yes, you're right about the strong father yeah. part.
1: You're right about we, they were. I thought that they were going to flip it because it seemed like at the beginning, they were making fun of him when he was like, they're going to milk you. And I was like, oh, they're ruining no, the no, best no. They thing about that. the Ninja Turtles. But then they kept it. They kept it so well. And I was like, that they, was, that was beautiful. The way they, they kept it.
0: I think um, Mitchell's versus machine. It had a lot of that element of storytelling where <laughs> dad's right. Um. <laughs> um and so he he wins because he sees that this is the reality yeah. of it. The, there was he, one thing he,
1: he wins because he has the wisdom,
0: right? To, the to see yeah. that's what their end goal is. But here's, here's part that I didn't like that really to me, let it put a stinker all over splinter was that splinter heard his own voice in the bad guy where dad was like, Oh, and the bad guy expected Splinter to understand him, right? And Splinter was hearing the black bad guy talking like, "Oh, that's how I sound."
1: And I was like, it, "But Splinter, it, it, it's but it but the diff, so that was so Splinter had a character arc, and he usually doesn't. That is true. Usually, you you meet Splinter at the end after he has learned everything." And then he but had makes gave, a wise did, wisdom choice, yeah. but they gave him a character arc, but it wasn't, it wasn't a wisdom character arc. It was a fear character arc, right? So he didn't have to learn new wisdom. He had the wisdom already, but what he had to let go of was uh, the fear that, and, and man, I'm raising teenagers right now. That's exactly, I, I think Seth Rogen must be raising teenagers right now.
0: I don't doubt that part. I agree with that, but that's not the character. Do you, Don't you don't you voodoo me with a question? I know what you're doing. You're trying to think <laughs> of the right question to put me in a trip. I yeah, I you were.
1: So I just uh but but wisdom is something that is continually growing, though.
0: That's not what I'm talking about, Jason. I'm talking about Splinter.
1: <laughs> you keep on doing this. And, it's, I, I, and here's the other thing. We always meet Splinter um, over against Shredder. And so this right. is the pre-Shredder Splinter.
0: Okay, so this so, is my... yeah. So this in is, the
1: next one, I think it will get the character that you're looking for.
0: See, that's the thing. That's the only reason I think I have a little grace for this version of the Ninja Turtles, because... The virtues of the Ninja Turtles aren't weren't all there, right? They they, yeah. they weren't matured. It was very early. Yet. Oh, when they took off the mask and it fell down inside the 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 tunnel, the um al- the sewer, I was so mad. I was so mad, dude. I was so mad. Okay, so let, I'll get to that in just a second. But if if they are trying to say this is the beginning, the origin story of the Ninja Turtles, the preface to who they become later because most of the time when we see the Ninja Turtles growing up, even the cartoons, they're actually young adults, not teenagers, like their whole characters are developed and mature, uh, but they're posing as teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Or this is what I was thinking about. Or the earlier generations of teenagers were far more mature than we actually are today. So that the teenagers of yesteryear were what we consider young adults now, because I remember watching Ninja Turtles when I was like nine. We're talking 1988,
1: 89. Um, well, I remember the first time. It. I remember when they put out the pilot.
0: Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah. Turtle. My mind mutant I was t-
1: like, I'm in forever. The, yeah, the pilot, the, the, I, I mean, like. You they, had me at they, hello. You, yeah. They put out the pilot and then um, as a test. And then they didn't keep it going because it was just a test. And yeah. I remember, I remember that asking everybody, did you see it? Oh my gosh. Did you see it? Is there more? Does anybody know? Like the buzz around it was ridiculous. It just, it it just popped up on television.
0: It just mm-hmm. popped up on television. It was just like your normal Saturday morning cartoons. And this one interrupted everything for me. That's how I saw it. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? It Cause brilliant. it wasn't like trailers. Oh, this is coming. It wasn't trailer. It just stuff just popped up, you know? So, I saw that and I was like, okay. the only way that I can accept the Ninja Turtles now, the way that they're doing it, is that this is the beginning of the maturity of an of infant Ninja Turtles, teenage Ninja Turtles. Right. So they're the beginning Mm -hmm. of the teenage years. And then maybe when I actually come into their life, they're probably like 19,
1: 18, 19. Yeah. Yeah. This is is freshman teenage mutant. This is 13. And they're and yeah, and we're used to 17, 18, 19 year old.
0: Ugh, that's the only way I can reconcile this but, film
1: but think about it right we we watch one of them enter puberty he says oh my gosh all the all of the all, all of his hormones hit it once right the first time they notice that's a 13 year old so
0: but for but that's the other thing April what did they do to <laughs> April, come on, man! Like when, he, like me, me and Sharon were in the theater, and we were watching, and as soon as he's like t- Leonardo, all the spoilers are in here. So Leonardo jumps up and says, "We have to go get this bike for this beautiful woman," you know. And it was like, "Wait a second, that's Michelangelo. Michelangelo's a guy who falls in love with April and he's like head over heels with her."
1: you know that's what I, I that that was my memory too but i but then i was like was i wrong were they all no, in love with her? Were, no they, it was michelangelo were. yeah
0: in the in the movie they all kind of fell in love with april but in the cartoon it was michelangelo and then in the movie they did kind of level off and it was really mikey who kept on going after her right yeah uh because yeah. he ended up hating casey jones is like man she's mine yeah. you know um
1: <laughs> i can't so, wait for casey jones
0: <laughs> yeah i think was- they previewed him here but uh, and so when I saw that and then so me and Sharon just gasped so loud in the theater and everybody started laughing he was like because they said she was beautiful and we just started
1: dying laughing like ah
0: that girl ain't beautiful that girl ugly
1: you know I mean, I mean you, you know the what Solomon says There's. oh here you go you, <laughs> Jason just say yeah. it was bad <laughs> no no man you the, 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 the there's you know seven six things, yay seven, that are too high for me. The way of a serpent on, uh, the way of a lizard on the rock, the way of a I'm not going to remember them all. The way of the way, the three things, yay four, that are too high for me. The way of a lizard on a rock, the way of a bird in the air, something else, and the way of a man with a maid. Yeah. There's, I, I... Some, there's something mysterious, right? You, you meet a girl um, and a, a, somebody just says oh my gosh she's the one and um everybody else is like her she's the one really and you know uh, turns back on his best friend if he does or if he uh speaks wrong about her what's that um <laughs> uh is that my girl the song my girl jason <laughs> i thought that part i uh, that part i thought was realistic because he because they are backed off. They're in the shadows. They're trying to hide everything. They're not, no risks. And then he sees a girl and he's like, okay, I'm done with this risk-free life. Let's do this. (laughs) It's right. It's it's a girl that makes, that finally gives him the courage to charge in. And, um, and, you know, he drags all of his brothers into it because of their loyalty.
0: Their first fight.
1: i like that it was fight. great yeah that was i thought that their was their first fight is is to defend a woman um yeah yeah so like there, there were a lot of really good things i i don't about I,
0: it. there's there's a lot of good things about all kinds of stuff you know
1: but but the so the uh um, the
0: characters matter their virtues yeah, matter in no. and, and so like when you know when i see them acting outside of their character It's like it muddies the virtue of the individual. The virtues are all there, but it's their their character. Are you talking
1: about the how much they changed? April is that what you mean? Oh,
0: no, not not just April, but I think they they were trying. I feel to show how each Ninja Turtle came into their own character.
1: Yeah, where yeah, this is the one step back, um, right before we normally meet them because they're fully formed ninjas by the time we normally meet them and they're still learning and yeah. And
0: I, yeah. I I can get with that, but knowing the arc and knowing where they're trying to go, it doesn't give me any hope that they will get where they're trying to go when they've already messed up the beginning of the characters at this stage. If they're going to say, we're going to have a trajectory they're off course. Right. And, and all the elements of the story, I think were really good. Like they, my, even Sharon, she wasn't. She know what to expect, but she came in. She was like, uh, oh, it's okay." I walked away. I was so disappointed because I have an affinity for the characters growing yeah. up. Like I know them. Like there's lines that I repeat from them, you know. And to see that those things, those elements, I'm looking like, well, no, he should say this. This he should say that. That I couldn't even pay attention to, and the some of the some of the pieces that were really good pieces, like they're defending a woman, April. If April is supposed to be beautiful. <laughs> we're we're fresh out of luck, right? And, and, so this, here, is, and this is what here, made me so mad is like they made her black. Okay, okay, I can get with that. This is like Little Mermaid too. So so she's black, but you did, but it's like scraps. It's like you know what I mean. Like this is the scraps. Yes. It's like well, make her a beautiful black woman. She's this girl is weirdly shaped. I like
1: okay. I, so this was this was Malachi's take on that. Oh, he, he said, "Give so, me that wisdom, Malachi." He's thirteen. He he said, he he was like it was weird the way they shaped all of the people, right? They gave and he said at first I thought they were trying to do it from the mutants' perspective, so that it, uh, the mutants were the. Were, were normal and so yeah. how would a, mute, a mutant would see a person as abnormally shaped he said but if that's what they were doing as the turtles came to understand and connect with the humans they should have become the regular shape by the end he said if they would have slowly made them into a regular shape then I would have bought it he said but I think that the, the, the character design of the humans was uh, didn't didn't work and i think he's right oh wow that's a really good shaped faces and i think he uh, but i I also think he's right that that it is some sort of hey from the from the mutants perspective we would look odd right so trying to do something like that i think that he's right that that's what they were trying to do well and they had the Um, moment
0: too they had hmm? the moment to change that when splinter is down there hurt and the humans reach out to help him that would have been a great change to
1: see them exactly yeah so he so he so um, Malachi was like, "That's how I would have fixed that." <laughs> wow,
0: well, he—that's he, that's good
1: thinking. This is this is always, but this is always this is one of the things that we, Aaron and I, have always done. Is it's okay to criticize a movie or a story, uh, but you don't get to hold on to it unless you can explain how you could fix how you would fix it. Mm. How would you how would you fix the story so that it told the truth? Um, and that way, it's a way. So that way. They know, oh, I can I can criticize, but I have to also Mm. say this is what would make it better. So then my criticism is a way of gaining wisdom or trying to at least hunt for wisdom. Um, And so it's always fun leaving a theater with my kids because they're always like, "Okay, here is what I loved. Here's the thing that really bothered me. Here's what they should have done. This is why this is how they ruined it. They could have done this and that wouldn't have ruined it
0: that's really good man i actually like that a lot did have you um okay we're, we're gonna probably get to barbie because i gotta talk to you about that you gotta talk about you barbie. It? no i haven't seen it yet <laughs> okay I, I can't bring myself to i know i need to watch it because <laughs> i um i don't know i feel like look people don't know how to work through stories anymore or what's really going on and um I think some of our storytelling nowadays, because we can only see with uh, one lens. I think everybody sees everything with a lens of critical theory, and so yes. we only see very surface issues of of narrative and storytelling. And so we're not able to see that the the people are actually hiding truths inside of their narrative that that aren't obvious. As we just take the most obvious thing and right. say ah. Um, so I just, I watched a show with my daughter called, um, what's your name or your name? I think that's what it's called. I haven't seen this one. It's an old, it's a 19 or 2016 Japanese anime. And at first, so it was 2016. The first thing I thought that was going on. So a, a boy and a girl, um, switch bodies. Okay. You have to see it. You have to, it's a wonderful film it sounds trans at first it's not uh but there's some there's a few parts in the anime it's not really kids anime because there's a few parts in anime where the boy turns to the girl and he's like whoa breast (laughs) yeah what are these um and oh i don't have a penis anymore what is this you know (laughs) um and so there's some there's a moments in the beginning where you're like okay and we're skipping um and, and but there's a reality to the, the question of, like, if you actually did switch a body um, as a teenager, you'd be like, what is this? Like, this is surprising here. Um, so I get that. But they, they switch bodies, but they, it's, it's um, Freaky Friday. Remember Freaky Friday? where the Oh, yeah. So it's kind of Freaky Friday, but with boy and a girl and okay. then time travel at the same time. OK. And and I, I don't want to spoil it for you because I really want you to see it. If It's like three ninety nine on. It's one of the best films you'll you'll watch all year. Okay. I guarantee it. Just the, the, the sheer storytelling, because I walked in not knowing anything about the film. Uh, my daughter loves the soundtrack. And so she's been listening to the soundtrack in Japanese. When she yeah. heard it in English, she was like, um, And yet the way that they told the story. They set up everything so well from the beginning, the first third of the film, and then the problem. Um, they made heartache and pain beautiful. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, Where yeah. You didn't expect it, and it still hurts, but you're like, "Wow, this is this is beautiful. This is," um, and boy, nobody wants to experience this. They, they made the connection. You're, there's a longing in you for a resolve. It's been a long time since a film is like, uh, and especially an anime from 2016. So it was kind of before all the trans woke stuff. So then I know that's not what they're trying to do. Right, right. Um, They're trying to tell a story and, you know, the story of love. And it's just, it was, it was, it's, it was well done. And um, yeah. I think your name, yeah, your name is the name of the film.
1: Okay, off to check it out. Yeah, God has given the Japanese in the last fifty years, uh, sixty years, an incredible storytelling acumen. I mean, they have led the way. Uh, their samurai movies basically taught our taught us how to make westerns. Um, they've their uh, cartoons have been you know at the forefront and our cartoonists have been copying them since at least the 60s um so the you know it, i don't know what i i i suspect that it's going to be the way in for the gospel right is that we're going to be able that that the church is finally going to wake up and say oh storytelling this is the, the Japanese people have they've have, they've been able to hold on to the um, the world held together by us by spirit um, in a way that almost no moderns have in their storytelling, and I think it's going to be the way in. Unfortunately, the Japanese population has been going down now for number of decades
0: i think they're going to lose it in the next generation they've left enough of a trademark that i think hopefully somebody will pick it up but mm-hmm. i don't think it's going to stay in japan i don't think they're going to have the children to be able to do it right you now no, I, yeah, I think so i think
1: real revival sweeps through and they start yeah. having kids yeah so
0: there's, but, there's but that'll still, there, still be 80 years from so now. hopeless
1: yeah. yeah but they're they're it's a very hopeless um hopeless culture right now
0: okay i'm gonna give you a very very hard task in this next piece okay you're gonna have to take barbie because i'm gonna get everybody mad at you i just know this is gonna get everyone (laughs) mad at you i haven't seen this i'm just gonna ask all the questions but you're gonna take barbie and wrap it into chapter four the image of evil okay and so you're gonna segue those two together i i just can't wait to see what you do with this but should people go see barbie
1: Oh, they absolutely should go see it. If they,
0: and that's good. Thanks. All right, we'll talk to you later. Yeah,
1: and <laughs> I mean, I think so. Really, and, and not not an immoral. I mean, if you don't want to go see it, don't go see it. I'm not in a like bind your conscience sort of way, but it we're there's this cultural conversation going on that I think you just miss out on if you're not. You're not paying paying attention to the um, things like this that are kind of mass media. It'd be like if you you know if if you didn't go see Star Wars. Um, it, it the in terms of number of people that are going to see it, percentage of people going to see it right now, it's about the same as when Star Wars came out. And you just you, you don't have any. If you want to be f- friends with your neighbors, you know, you sometimes you gotta. Be a part of the normal, the normal culture. Jason, I, I, what do I, you do I,
0: when your neighbors are jumping off of bridges? Would you go jump off a bridge too?
1: Depends <laughs> on so how deep the water is. I mean, mm. <laughs> no, but mm. I, I there, there's nothing in it. I, I think we, I, I think Christians have been afraid for a long time, and I think they've been afraid because they're not sure if we really have answers or not, for the cultural questions the cultural conversation um because we've been in retreat mode um and because we don't we haven't believed that the gospel transforms culture so we have avoided culture as a way and and condemned it as a way of saying um we don't have to transform it we don't have to be a part of the cultural conversation we don't we don't have to be a part of the neighborhood um but but the you if you look throughout the history of the church um they actually had uh the um they they actually made a a empire-wide decree that christians were no longer allowed to be the um literary and poetry professors in schools because they had um so effectively re oriented the literary conversation around the Bible. Because <laughs> Christians just said, hey, I'll take the literature. Let's, let's take the literature posts. Let's take the, you know, um, in, and you saw the same thing, uh, man, the Ben, I can't remember his last name, but he's the, he's a Jewish comedian. Um, and he did a, a movie about all of the Christians that were fired out of science departments. Mm. oh uh, you're talking about ben
0: Ben, uh yeah yeah he was from dry eyes clear
1: eye yeah what was his name bueller bueller that guy he's funny he's a and it was a brilliant movie all he did was go out and interview people um about uh, surrounding different people that got fired for their christian faith um in science departments well the similar sort of thing actually happened in um uh, under Julius, the, uh, Julius, not Julius Caesar. Um, Oh, it's the other Caesar that starts with a J. Um, he's known to history as the apostate, but I, but basically Christians were not allowed to teach, um, literature anymore because the conversation around storytelling had been so effectively, um, had been so effectively converted to a conversation around you know Jesus, um, you couldn't people people would talk about uh, uh, Odysseus um, having to if he's going to gain wisdom he has to go underground to the place of the dead and then he comes out with a clearer vision of what his home's supposed to be like and you know and I uh, said. Which you think, oh, so it's like a death and resurrection, right? Exactly. It's like a death and resurrection that Odysseus has to go through because now Odysseus is being called the Christ figure. And it's like, well, we can't have that, right? We can't have the, the cultural conversation around storytelling be co-opted to the use of, of uh, Christians. And so they just fired all the Christians. So uh, <laughs> We have, but, but the last hundred years, maybe we've been in retreat from the cultural conversation, uh, because we, I don't think, I don't think we believe we have answers the way that Christian earlier Christians thought everything, um, could be used to help. And, you know, everything human, um, was going to reflect the image of God, uh, because even when we sin, um, uh, Schaeffer used to call this the mannishness of man. Um, e- even when we sin, we sin in an imago Day way, right? Even when we flee God, we flee God the way an imago Dei would, right? So he says, um, th- there's nothing to be afraid of um, because, you know, charging forward w- with wisdom, um, we actually have the answers that they're looking for uh, to the questions that they have. So, um, you know, that the there are, things to avoid that we're told clearly to avoid. So, you know, um, like you're not going to say, Hey, I'm going to go in and take this strip club for Jesus, you know, Mm. Um, by, by hanging out in there enough. Um, (laughs) you know, I think there are things like that, that you would say, no, that that's, 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 that'd be a foolish way, um, to, to try and take over. Um, even if it's the right attitude, like, oh, what would it look like to take the coffee industry for Jesus? What would it look like to, um, to, uh, you know, start a cigar lounge, um, and, and, um, show the, show the world what God made tobacco for, you know, whatever industry you're in, you know, um, how do I, how do I, uh, uh, use use what where God has put me as a way of furthering the kingdom um, is a different way of thinking. You know, um, when when uh, ever when the Christians in Acts were kicked out of Jerusalem, it says they went forth gossiping the good news everywhere they went. Right, they couldn't stop talking about it. You've met people like that that are like they, yeah. they have they have news. I remember once I worked at a factory and as this full-grown adult human male comes in one morning, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, did everybody hear right <laughs> to the whole factory?" <laughs> and uh, everybody stops thinking, like, "Oh no, what happened?" And he said, uh, "He said Mary Kate Olson from uh, from them Olson twins, cocaine. She's in jail for cocaine." <laughs> and I was like, what? "That is none of my business. That's the weirdest." First, first off, you're in a full-grown adult male. What are you even talking about, Mary Kate, and Ashley Olson? Second off, that's none of my business. It's called a gossip magazine for a reason. <laughs> and third off, I actually, a poor girl, I, that obviously childhood um, fame wasn't good for her. But what are we doing talking about this with a bunch of dudes at a factory? Um, you you meet you meet people like that that they just can't help but talk about certain things. Well, the early Christians, uh, you know, when the when the first missionaries got to um, some of the islands you know, around, um, the official missionaries, they found people that were already Christians because of the traders, because of the people that would, that, that would go up, you know, to, to sell goods and buy goods that were Christians that couldn't help, but talk about Jesus everywhere they went. Um, so the gospel has always spread, um, as through the official mission work of the church and the, uh, business, business people, uh, as well. Mm. So, uh, and through the army too, you know, you get <laughs> the, you get Christians that are sent around the world by the, the, uh, imperial army that can't help but convert people everywhere they go. So, um, the, so I think when we look at something like Barbie, um, we have an opportunity to be a part of the cultural conversation. Um, if we go see it and if we learn how to, um enter into conversation with our neighbors um and this is one of the things that i think that's the other reason that we don't i mean i i know there were times i didn't watch something because i wanted plausible deniability it's like i don't want to have that conversation because i'm not ready for it and so i'm not going to watch it or because it's, it's a distraction or whatever so i'm not going to watch it um because i'd rather talk about something else but i think with something like barbie what just hit what a billion a billion dollars in the box office um i mean that means your neighbors have seen it even the dudes that are pretending they haven't they've all <laughs> except for this one <laughs> no i know there's a few here and there but um but like i said you know you're well within your christian freedom to say oh nah, it's not my thing i'm not going to go see it um but what okay, okay so outside that- the conversation
0: so I have two questions. Um, one, one is what is the com- what is the conversation, the cultural conversation that Barbie's trying to have, and then, um, oh, I was it was off the. Go ahead. Why don't you answer that one first? And I'll try and remember my second one.
1: I think it's about whether or not feminism delivered on its promises, the the promises that feminism gave to little girls, whether or not it ever delivered on those promises. Am I, what, am what, I allowed that, to do to give spoilers?
0: Uh, we already have with Ninja Turtles. Okay. Right? I don't, we're not saving yeah, Barbie. True. We're not yeah, saving yeah. Barbie, bro.
1: <laughs>
0: no, all the spoilers are coming
1: out. Well, all we do is spo- we should change the show to spoilers. Spoilers, yes. <laughs> Spoil- yeah. So um, it starts off with that exact question, right? It should. It says all of the little girls used to play wherever you wherever you find girls, you will always find dolls little girls play with dolls. They used to play with baby dolls until Barbie came along and gave them a different vision for their lives. And it shows all these little, little girls smashing up their, their baby dolls and switching to Barbies.
0: So there's a transfer from motherhood to
1: A a transfer from motherhood as the ideal that we are teaching children to what is it that Barbie promised and that's the question what is it that barbie promised be and it and then immediately you switch to barbie say um you you go over to barbie who is saying look i can i can have it all i am beautiful lovely have all these friends uh and i can be whatever i want to be i can you, know, you feminism has has made everything equal right and it's the whole thing is told so it's from the perspective of like a little girl playing with dolls. So what is the, how does a little girl playing with Barbie think uh, about the future because she's playing with Barbie and they show that Barbie is inherently a feminist promise, right? Barbie inherently is a feminist promise that says um, that if you want satisfaction, you get it through your career, Right, you get it through being wanted by boys, and through your career. That's where the satisfaction is going to be, and they're really clear that that is the way. Barbie, that that is what Barbie promised to little girls, and so when Barbie ends up um, leaving Barbie Barbie Land, right, the the toy version of, and discovers what the real world is like, um, the. It's, uh, and that it's not really like that, right? that, that, that the promise is not true, she has to decide if she, she ends up basically putting in the dilemma, being put in the dilemma of, do I have the power to change the world into what I want it to be, or do I have to submit to reality and become different myself um, and find what the where the real to find where the real fulfillment is.
0: So you have feminism and postmodernism all wrapped into one,
1: all wrapped into one. And then the question is, you know, and, and this is why, like, it's so, there's this really funny moment early on where um, Ken comes and he says, Hey, can I stay the night? And she says, why? And he says, I to do what boyfriend and girlfriends do. So what's that? And he's like, I don't know. Right. Cause it's the perspective of a little girl who really doesn't know yet, right? She's playing with the dolls. Um, it's similar to what they did with the Lego movie, right? Where it's there's there's a person playing with the Legos that you can't see telling the story. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, there's a little girl playing with the dolls, um, and she says, "Well, no, because tonight I'm going to hang out with my friends and have uh, t- and do our choreographed dance." <laughs> we just went a little. It's like a little girl's dream for what they she thinks adulthood is like. We're going to grow up and we're going to do choreographed dances every night uh, at sleepovers. Um and it's really it's a really funny way into um a, a little girl's psyche and what she what dolls like Barbie cause her to think adulthood is going to be like.
0: So it's like right? it's trying to re-examine the the myths of the imagination that tell them about the world they're re-examining exactly
1: yeah they're examining what story does barbie tell our girls that gives their their that fills their imagination with expectations and i i think we should be asking those questions i mean i my girls didn't we didn't do barbie because of Barbie, I thought was inherently feminist. <laughs> right? Yeah, we don't do Barbie. Um, well, it was. I mean, that's the right, origin yeah. story. And then, they, but they actually dig into the origin story, and Barbie meets the creator of Barbie. And the, the creator of Barbie says, Look, I made Barbie for my daughter because my daughter was everything to me and so barbie then goes back to barbie land now with this inherent um contradiction in the actual creation of barbie that barbie was a mother who found all of her satisfaction in a daughter telling her daughter to not have kids so she could find satisfaction and that messes with barbie's head and so, so she goes so barbie's
0: so creator barbie was a mother created.
1: Was a mother who found satisfaction in her daughter telling her daughter to not have children to so find satisfaction, right? So, giving so a, a mother giving feminism to her daughter was poison because, mm. yeah, so, it's, so it's this weak, so there's this inherent contradiction that that sh, so then she goes back to Barbie land with it now with this inherent contradiction um, that actually. The the satisfaction is in motherhood, um, and a, a mother is will, but a but a mother promised something other than satisfaction in motherhood because she loved her daughter so much, right? Oh. That well, that's so it's broken, right? So feminism is is uh, is fundamentally con- self contradictory. Was is the that's what the story argues for? So she goes home, um, back to Barbie Land, um, and then has to wrestle through it and you know that there's a lot of funny it's a very funny movie i mean the people laughed a lot through throughout um and um and you know i i think it has its problems but that that's actually completely right right um so she ends once she learns about motherhood she can't be satisfied with feminism anymore and so she ends up having to choose um and there's also you know a, a mother daughter character that come with her and uh and that that uh the it, the mother is it the mother is dissatisfied um because the promises of barbie are not <laughs> are not playing out in her life um, and so she's got a daughter and she's, she's struggling with it cause she loves her daughter so much, but she's fighting with her daughter and, and the, and she's got these, this deeply embedded promise of, of that Barbie, the, that playing with Barbies developed within her, that the stories that she's told, the stories she told about her future are not coming true. Um, and Barbie is wrapped up in that. And so she comes back too. And so then they're all, wrestling with it uh, until Barbie decides to go back to the real world because she wants to go have children. And so she, just, she basically has to leave Barbie land to find real satisfaction in being a mother.
0: Now are and, they go ahead.
1: And, and I, and I, because of the opening scene and the closing scene, I think they absolutely know that they're saying that.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Do they know what they're doing? But but I think that okay. So there's a couple of things here I want to challenge. One of them is that it seems like from what you're telling me that there is a war within feminism,
1: mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, completely. And the ones and I think who, the, the 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 trans stuff has revealed it. Mm, right, it, right. It's revealed the the crack in the foundation, and now they're wrestling with it because you've got all these feminists that are and that are what do you call it now transphobic uh, i know there's another word for it but that they always use but that's you there i don't even know uh um,
0: anti trans
1: they're anti trans but that's there's a um and it, it's oh yeah that's uh,
0: right there is a cuz steve uh, uh dave Chappelle was talking about it
1: yeah i that's so um that and then following the jk rowling thing jk rowling is a feminist calls herself a feminist, you know, and then, um, and she's like, but sh- <laughs> a-, a man putting on a dress doesn't Terf. make him into a woman. Turns, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's revealed that there is um, a crack within feminism that, that is, um, yeah. that, that makes, that is, so there's a certain kind of feminist that is, Being that is happy to be used by the progressive party because really it's a power grab. And if a powerful enough man comes along and tells them things, then they're like, let's do it. We're feminists. Yay. Um, And then there's another kind of feminist that is, um, that really, I think is actually trying to, that, that believes that there's a fundamental, um, rivalry between men and women that that then that rivalry is fundamental identity level fundamental and um and so they see the trans movement as just another way that men try and invade feminine female spaces and take them away
0: so so, oh man there's so much here okay i have i'm just keep writing down questions so the feminist movement is fighting against the transgender movement but there's a second. The generation that grew up, so you got Barbie 1959, March of March 5th or something like that, I think it was released. 1959, the original Barbie comes out. Yeah. So then you have the grandchildren of the feminist movement who are saying, This this didn't work.
1: Yeah, this didn't deliver. It didn't deliver you, you prov- on what you said. It promised yeah. a lot and it didn't deliver.
0: It didn't deliver. And so, but now now, they're, but they're also not going back to... So this is a couple different... Oh, this is so crazy. Let me see if I can get this out. It's going to take me a minute. You you have people currently thinking that the argument that this group is making is like arguing against the heterosexual movement, the um, traditional family movement, because they're going to kind of against the Barbie thing. But they're actually saying, no, feminism didn't deliver to us what we wanted and we're we're a generation past that now. And we need to try something else other than the original feminist movement. Now it might be more radical feminism, fifth, sixth wave, whatever we're on now, but they're not going back to traditional values. So they want to blow that whole thing up. And they're actually mixing. It seems like from what some of the stuff I read that they're mixing the traditional values and the uh, feminist movement all together in one pot. And they're trying to blow that whole thing up.
1: Right. So, and this is, so my biggest, um, my my biggest what would you call it criticism of barbie is that there are no dads
0: yeah right that's what i was going to to.
1: yeah and so so i think that's actually so so uh, that's actually the conversation that i think needs to happen and i think if you're aware and you know you're ready to have it and it's going to be a huge opportunity because everybody i've said that to um It was like, hey, I was like, oh man, Barbie movie was super funny. I really appreciated it a lot. I loved the stuff about, you know, um, women being made for, to to have kids and how they find satisfaction in being moms. And everybody's nodding along. I haven't met a single person that was like, oh yeah, nah. Everybody nods along. And then I say, but, and then when I say, but there were no dads, everybody goes, oh, you're right. There were no dads. And I said, that's that that means that they haven't yet found an answer right they they haven't yet found an answer they they're asking, I think they're asking a question that's legit. They're pointing out contradictions that are true um, and they're saying something else that is true that um, that being a mom is a wonderful, wonderful thing, right And that it's a very satisfying thing for a woman to become a mom and have children and love children and raise children. that's all good, but there's no dads um so how how how's it gonna there there's you're still missing literally 50 percent of the of the uh equation if if you follow
0: their worldview men are nothing more than sperm banks
1: yeah i mean i just right? I, like- I i i just the i just saw a uh um i was reading through the recent movies that have been announced um the in the trades and they and there's one that just got green lit now I don't know what's gonna happen because of of uh the strike Oof. the strikes and stuff but it it's it's a uh it's like two friends who um who want to pick their own sperm donor but so they are <laughs> so that that's and that's what the movie's about is they don't want they don't want a dad for their kid they want a sperm donor for their kid and and I was like man this is awful that's about like that's about the worst plot line that i've ever heard it's reverse <laughs> so, dave rubin it's like reverse yeah exactly right you got um so you think man this is messed up as is, is these these two women trying to um trick a guy into becoming a sperm donor my wife
0: and, i'm sorry go ahead
1: what i just think like but that is the that is kind of the maybe this is going to be the new wave of feminism is that single motherhood is the
0: already it's, the, the, the it's thing already thing. It's, it's, yeah, it's already there i mean
1: it's there i know it's already there but i mean it's not i haven't heard anybody arguing for it let's maybe you have
0: i think the government has made its largest argument for it in welfare systems right it's it's not a it's not yeah, a go ahead
1: that's just an argument though that the government is a better dad and yeah. maybe that's the same thing, because feminism always leads to some other authority being a tyrant, and that's what we've always seen.
0: Well, part of – part of, part of uh, this is what happens when men don't kill serpents, but part of the feminist movement exists because of men not fathering and loving their wives and, and being a good husband and good, being a good – I mean, husband, husbandry literally is like gardening, right? Yeah. And so – you get the government you get men not tending the garden, and weeds grow up, serpents come in, and then you have you know the government saying, "Well, we'll tend the garden, like we'll we'll take care of you," and completely displace the men, some of them happily. Um, and I think that well, New York isn't proven it um, that they've done a better job. You look at New York. It's like, well, there goes the government's kids. <laughs> yeah. Right? right. Like That's that's if you want to know how the government's kids act, just look over the last 40 years. That's government kids, you know, and yeah. that's who's raised them. And so that's what we currently have. So I don't I don't think it's a good argument. I, I I do want to talk about this real quick before I forget it. The, the, the move between feminists, the fighting between feminists to say you didn't deliver for us. They can feel the longing for something. They don't know what it is. They think it's children. But what it is is that they they need submission and they don't want to submit, right? That's part of it. I think they they need to come underneath the mission and they're feeling it and they think the mission is their kids, right? Their right. kids are submission. <laughs> there's another there's another side of that that comes after the original submission. There's a part version, a second version, right, of them discipling. But now it's not just the feminists who are rising up. A lot of black people have been comfortable with the move of the transgender movement inside of the liberal progressive movement. And it's just now starting to come and and fight them. So Jess Hilarious is a black comedian who got up basically and said, listen, you're not a woman. Okay. I don't care what you say. You don't bleed. You don't have times of the month and it, you you can't have that. And there was another trans person that was like, listen, you guys, you women aren't the carriers aren't the protectors of cycles of the month. Like they're not yours to protect and keep. And Jess flipped out and was like, what are you talking about? You a guy, you're a dude, you're fake. And like, she's had, no, she's not a Christian at all. No. Right. She's, a, she's funny. She's funny. She is funny, but she, but she wasn't being funny with this one. She was just being no. serious. And have you seen that?
1: I haven't seen that clip. No, I've I've watched Jess Hilarious on uh on Wild N Out, but I yeah. haven't seen yeah.
0: I was in so I I followed her ever since she was just on doing shorts and vines and stuff back in the day. And and so now there's a war between black folks now and trans men, black women. And it's interesting because a lot of black men are saying, Oh yeah, see so you went too far. And they're like, whoa, how y'all, y'all not going to protect us from these other dudes? Like this, this is fake. Like this is, and, and they're starting to rise up and say, this is now y'all don't went too far. Y'all don't went too far. And, and, and it's weird that the fight is over cycles, right? It's, it's weird that it's, that that's the it's thing.
1: Not, it's not though. This, it's not weird that it that's, this is finally, I think, getting to the honest truth because um, evil. There's there's two aspects of evil. There's the uh, and Lewis breaks it down into the to the energetic and the passive
0: mm-hmm. right? the energetic
1: energetic evil and passive evil. Energetic evil is when you are trying you are you are actively trying to um, get beyond your station, beyond your limitations. Right. So um, goodness embraces limitations that got God-given limitations. God gives us limitations. We say, thank you for that. I wouldn't want to have more um, than what you gave me because this is a good, a good place to be. Um, and the so the energetic side of evil is always trying to bust ceilings um, that are creational ceilings. Mm. So, uh, and one of them is and this, uh, so the and part of that was always the um trying to uh bust the ceilings of gender right gender gives us limitations mm. and um so you 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 see this in um, in Macbeth uh when um when macbeth is trying to basically justify um things he he uh, starts to try to use magic um and he says i need metaphysical aid right because right now i'm being limited mm. by my by my nature as a human i'm being limited and i can't seem to to bust I he he's trying to um take the throne he's trying to usurp the throne um but it's because what he says is um I'm not just after leaving my station as a um as a lord and wanting to become king right I'm not trying to just take my roy take get out of my social station he said I actually want out of my metaphysical station um and so he wow. he 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 says, so come you spirits that tend on mortal thought and unsex me here, mm. right? So the the limitations of gender are viewed as um, God trying to keep me down. Whereas if I can bust past the limitations of my gender, then I can become like God uh because there's no more cuz i can i can keep climbing from station to station to station now that is actually so the idea that you have a, a ladder of a ladder of metaphysical stations is not true right uh where like angels are at the top and then you have um d- demi demiurges and different demigods and and then you have super powerful creatures Uh, that have magical powers and then you have men uh, and then you have women and then you have slaves and then, you know, you that, that are different metaphysical beings up and down the ladder. And then you've got animals underneath and you've got um, fish underneath that, right? That, that idea that you've got this ladder of being is the, the, the earliest lie of Satan. Mm. Right. You can, you can move up the ladder of being, um, and become more like, you know, become like God. That's just not true. You can't even, um, a woman can't even become like a man. Um, a mm. man can't become like an angel. You know, that's, that's not the way. That's not the way metaphysics works at all in the first place, but you've always had, um, the de sexing or the unsexing, the degendering, um, as as part of the uh, energetic kind of evil that's trying to get beyond its station. The other things are, you know, trying to gain perfect knowledge, trying to get... Uh, he, uh, he, he actually goes through the different kinds, uh, uh, trying to get omnipotence. Um, what page you on? This is on page 64. Okay, yeah. This is lust for omnipotence, lust for omniscience, um, lust for unmediated and direct uh, knowledge. So uh, as a human, all of our knowledge is mediated and indirect uh, metaphorical. We don't have direct knowledge of the essence of things. Um, and the, the evil characters uh, in late medieval uh, literature would often want un unmediated knowledge, direct knowledge, because that would then be counted as control. Like knowledge is power. And what they meant is if you know, if you have knowledge of the thing directly of its nature, if you know, maybe the word that God used to create a thing, then you can actually control it and change it and have, have power over reality. It's all
0: witchcraft. Man. It's,
1: It's all witchcraft. So that's from Dr. Faustus. Um, that that's the promise of dr faustus who is he's trying to use witchcraft in order to gain immortality um, or to gain riches and wealth and all sorts of things Um, and the opposite of of that um, the opposite of that mentality that says i'm going to get beyond my station is a submission a submissive thankfulness right submission to god's placement of you uh metaphysically this not to say it's not saying like oh if i'm born poor i have to stay poor because that's an economic reality it's a submission to the ontological reality of who you are as somebody made in the image of god created for uh created as the kind of creature that can have a fellowship with god but not the kind of creature that can have all knowledge that can have direct knowledge even um, we're the kind of creature that has that that has limitations, um, on space limitations and in, in the way that we pass through time, limitations on how we know and what we can know, and, um, uh, and limitations on our, on our power over reality. We don't have power over. Real- and so submitting to that, um, that ontological, uh, th- gratefully and saying, Lord, thank you for the kind of creature you made me, um including being a man or being a woman or uh, being a child when we're a child or getting old. And it's so hard to continue to be thankful when you're, you know, your, you, your knees start to creak and, um, and to say, Oh, I'm like, but we're the kind of creature that gets old, that, um, that, that gets less and less powerful as we gain wisdom, right? That's God's design. And that's part of, that's an important thing to embrace, Um, And it's hard, but it's hard, right? So thankful embrace of uh, reality is the opposite of this energetic evil that Lewis talks about that I think is exactly the reason that you have feminism. Um, Chauvinism was the same sort of thing. So, you know, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, uh, he talks about how... So he's the, the progenitor. He's like the the mind behind the French Revolution and the kind of the father, grandfather of progressive progressivism. He says, he says, don't let don't teach women to read. Their brains will, will overheat. Mm-hmm. It's not you know women are 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 better. You know it's more important for them to be in the kitchen and doing laundry and you know not not doing things that will cause their brain the use of their brain because it'll it'll overheat uh, and, you know, it causes all sorts of problems, right? He was, was, the progressive movement was very, very chauvinistic when it started, uh, which it's a power hungry thing. And until women could vote, they weren't included in that progress in the progressive movement at all. So it was very chauvinistic. So it's really funny. I think, you know, when, when traditionalists are, treated like they they were the chauvinists um when really it was the progressive movement that pushed chauvinism really hard um the because of the machiavellian that that embrace of the machiavellian worldview that is the machiavelli is the real true great grandfather of progressivism but he's not usually recognized that way and usually rousseau is um but that is also an attempt at uh, a different positioning of the of reality, right? It's a it's a refusal to accept the the ontological equality between men and women um, with the different economic uh, with the economic differences, right? Um, so you, you can you can fall the energetic evil can can go both directions um and it's the same evil uh and then we end up pitting those two evils against one another and feeling like we have to figure out how to choose which of the evils is better rather than (laughs) i think well i think that's where it ends um i don't think that's where it wants to end the it's trying to push in a particular direction and then it ends um Without an answer, so it just ends without an answer, right? It it ends with saying, maybe w- maybe women can do this thing by themselves instead of that thing by themselves, right? And so you end up with a, a choice between two dead ends, right? Which dead end do I want? I mean, <laughs> that's that's not a, um, I mean,
0: so they're still trying what, to do the same thing. still trying to be the energetic evil where they're just trying to break that nature that's what they're still trying to do
1: yeah i well i think they just i think we we are so we're so many generations from uh without memory that i think people actually don't know i mean that my um you know you're you are starting to see kind of the trad trad uh, wife trend trad Chad trend and mm-hmm. um, and um I don't like it no it's well I one of my kids called it uh called it cosplay <laughs> or something like that I can't like you know, like, but, you know just like this is uh there's no substance behind it like it's it's this it's like a uh, you know a a, a guy putting on a dress doesn't make him a woman. Um you know and it's it's the same with dressing up in traditional garb doesn't make you a good husband wife duo. Now hopefully a lot they're they're also getting, you know, into the resources of the older world and, you know, actually looking to try and grow into it and but but yeah for the most part it's just what Halloween. I-
0: Jason, why don't we, I was, I've been going through, um, the Bible with my children and it's been amazing to me how much we miss in Leviticus, how much we miss in numbers. And we're in Deuteronomy right now. And one of the things that, um, Moses, you know, he's, uh, about to let these, they know they're about to go take the promised land. He's giving them the law again, right? Again, again. And he's given them so much history about where they come from. And he tells this new generation to circumcise their hearts. Now it's amazing because I feel like that we're like in that, we're in that same environment where we can like, we can put on, we're trying to find the things that remind us of the old world, the traditions that we come from. And Moses is getting to them and says, yeah, the, here, here's your historical setup. Your, your parents failed here horribly. Don't be like those people. Remember what happened to Korah? <laughs> right? Like, Don't do that circumcise your heart, but nobody seems to be saying circumcise your heart. We seem to be going and find the moment of error where everything felt normal. But every time I go back and look historically, it was just as screwed up and messed up. And there was no circumcision of the heart. But I think that we want where we want the area where Christianity wasn't as tethered as it is now in society, instead of saying, wait, how do we not go back to a less least tethered but have some sort of reformation where we read we redo this whole thing and bring it back to life? I know that's what they're trying they're trying to say, but like trad wife trad uh, Chad is like um I, I'm not a fan. I know what some of them mean by it, but man that it just seems like I haven't heard anybody really push and talk about circumcision of the heart because all the things that they say that they want you'll find there.
1: Yeah. I um I was just watching the uh, um of an interview with uh Eminem complaining about rap these days. Oh my goodness. And I was like, "Oh, we're getting old." I know. <laughs> I know. So I what I don't want to do is Mistake the vocabulary, which is definitely, um, you know, the slang of the next generation. Mistake the 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 vocabulary f- um, and the substance. Well, because I, you know what I yeah, mean. I like, yeah, but I,
0: you know, you know, good and well, you know, good and well, patriarchy drives you nuts.
1: Oh, it totally does. And when somebody talks about it, I try I like I bite my tongue and like, Ugh, and and try and think and listen and say what are they actually saying? Yeah. Um but but this is the thing is like it's the same thing with nationalism.
0: I know, but then but we're acting say, like the words don't matter.
1: Saying. No, I, I yeah, that is the last thing I want to do. What I want to do though is say um we, where is what what where is the place where the um that hasn't been that cuz i think what you have is these is young folks that say give us something give us something and um the church has been it, it has not done a good job of saying well we can we can give you something let's talk um let's talk uh biblical role like when I did the, when I did um, in the basement of the library at the University of California, Santa Cruz, right? The most liberal,
0: uh, the most liberal about this, college yeah. on the
1: West Coast it did um, eight weeks on biblical masculinity and feminine, femininity. And you, you couldn't, there wasn't room in the, it, there wasn't space in the room for more people, right? These these college kids poured in um, because they're like, is and well i I want to hear anything like this is not working right they look around and they're like hookup culture not working they um they look around and you know the uh, at the you know body count culture it's not working and so they they know that um and are ready to hear anything and then the church has said, well we're quiet on these things because we don't want to be we don't want to lose respect. I think is actually what it comes down to. We're not, we're not willing to fight for the, uh, we're not willing to fight for the uh, souls of the next generation. Um, You You know, know, but but I, but I think you're right. That it's circumcision of the heart is one of the things that we won't talk about. We'll talk about clothes, you know, don't, do dress this way don't dress this way we'll talk about all um all sorts of things but we won't talk about circumcision of the heart we won't talk about clean the inside of the cup and let's see what happens at the outside of the cup because it always ends up clean we that's the stuff we don't we and i and i think it's just faithlessness i think we don't believe it anymore the church doesn't believe it anymore
0: oh, did you talk about the passive evil yet i think oh. you talked about the energetic evil.
1: Yeah. Talked about the energetic evil. So,
0: um, ener- just, so the energetic evil basically is the evil that um, it's obviously trying to get at destroying the very metaphysical reality that we're in yeah. so that we can have a nature outside of our own to
1: have power. Yeah. Energetic evil is trying to exceed the limitations that God has put on humanity.
0: Okay. Exceed okay. the
1: bounds. Right. So, right. Right. Um, and, and Lewis talks about how it's, that it actually makes for really fun, bad guys, you know, like <laughs> literary mm. in, in literature. Um, right. There's really, you can make really fun, bad guys. Uh, uh, people you that, get ma- they, you get
0: Frankensteins and weird yeah. stuff. Yep.
1: Yeah, you get weird stuff. You get, uh, excuse me, you get Milton Satan um, who everybody's like, he's a great character. And then God shows up and you're like, well, he's kind of boring in Milton's version. Um, uh, because he's he comes in and and is putting things back into place, um, or trying to keep things in place, uh, which I think is, um, it, instead of the active and 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 um, you know I think we could talk parallels of active good and passive goods as well, mm. um, and energetic uh, and. Uh, passive goods, but, um, the, the active, you know, the, the energetic good or the energetic evil is always trying to, um, it's an imitation of good without submission to God's place.
0: Straight right? up witchcraft, straight, straight up, up witchcraft. witchcraft.
1: Yeah. So you yeah, witchcraft, um, you have the, and a lot of the things that we don't think of as witchcraft in this understanding turn out to actually be witchcraft. And this is what the, the la the third, the, that hideous strength yeah. um, is all ab- about how these things they keep calling science are actually witchcraft <laughs> uh, because yeah, they're and- not even using the scientific principles anymore. The scientific principles have become energetic evils.
0: And part of what I mean, and I'm sure we're saying the same definition of witchcraft with it, which is trying to accomplish um, the, the ends of God without God.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah try yeah. Well, that, um, the, trying to accomplish the ends of God without God, um, and trying to the blessings of God without power God over reality.
0: Yeah. Which, which is yeah. exactly because if you're able to do that, then you, you have the power to get good, get blessing, get victory without God, which is, you mean, you're, yeah. you're higher than, so you have power to do that, which is that's, that's witchcraft, right?
1: Right. But it's, and it takes, but it, it only works in a mechanistic universe. And that's right. the biggest, I, I mean, I think the, um, you know, it, he actually mentions something about that in here. Um, he, it, the, on the very first page 64 of chapter four, the image of evil, um, he calls it the metaphysics of magicians.
0: Yeah. I see that.
1: Right. The metaphysics of magicians Is that that the world is is mechanistic, and so if you know what lever to pull and what button to push, then you can get the outcome that you want.
0: It's like the charismatic movement.
1: Unfortunately, it really is, right? It's it's like an attempt to be faithful in a mechanistic world,
0: Mm. Um,
1: and not it's not always an attempt to be faithful. But I think for a lot of Christians, that attempt to be faithful in a mechanistic world, um, in he ends up sounding a lot like you, and you end up prayer it becomes incantation. Um, yeah. And, and I have, and I, I learned some of this. I actually learned from an assemblies of God friend of mine who saw it and hated it. He just was like, he just, um, he, he used to, I, I watched him just tear into a fellow charismatic, um, for sounding like a cold call psychic. <laughs> mm. He was like, there's nothing, you, there's nothing you're doing that a cold call psychic couldn't do. He's like, he just tears into him. He's like, this is just, he was, he, it made him so angry because he, but it was because he was a charismatic, but not, but didn't Living believe in a mechanistic mechan- world. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who was like, you all you all are acting like this is a mechanistic world. And he's like, and it's not, because he, he understood that it wasn't. So there's a way um, it's not, and and this is where you know those charismatics tend to to sound, uh, the they tend to fit in really well with reformed folks, um, because you know, may, well, the reformed fo- with they they tend to really like older reformed writers who talked about the spirit a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> you know, um, whereas you know a lot of the newer reformed folks they actually believe in a mechanistic universe too they just believe in predestination and no spiritual gifts <laughs> mm. so it's a, much, it's a much more boring version of the mechanistic universe but they agree on the mechanistic universe um so but this but I, I like oh. i like the, that it's the metaphysics of magicians um is that's a good way to to talk about it because because we don't live in a mechanistic world right god we live in a world where a personal God is actively blessing, protecting, caring for, providing for his people, uh, or cursing when we are unfaithful, right? When we turn away from him, he curses, the, the but the curses are all for his people are all discipline that brings us back. Um, you know, the, the, so it's, it's not, it's, Disciplinary action, not curses, versus for the unfaithful, it's curses. Um, even though it can be the exact same rod, um, mm. it's it works to a different end depending on, on how it's used, right? Depending on yeah, depending. So, um, and and I think that's what why I think we need to focus instead on people's hearts getting right with the Lord. Um, so you know, so when they come and they say, well, I'm looking for traditional values or traditional roles or say, oh, that's great. Um, let's the, the beginning of the, the root of that is hearts that are right with the Lord. That's the beginning of it. Um, and if it flows, you know, anything else, any, anything that flows out of any other stream than that is, is going to be poisoned.
0: So then the passive evil.
1: Yeah. So, um, so instead of what he calls frenetic anguish, um, that's his, that's his summary of, of uh, active, uh, of energetic evil is it all becomes frenetic anguish. Um, He says that the, the opposite is uh, of that is images of passive evil, uh, which are, defect and disease. Mm. Um, and so this is, this is he, so he says this over against most of the writers of his time, Spencer um, doesn't use images of uh, active evil or of energetic evil. Um, he, he uses images of that of evil as a passive thing um, because he, he thought that that was actually more of a danger in his day. Uh, for Christians, because he's writing allegory that's trying to help Christians understand how to live well in the world that, as God made it. And so he said, for Christians, the um, we're less tempted to become energetically evil. We're more tempted to become passively evil. Mm. Um, and so he uses images of evil that have to do with defect and disease. That um, So when you needed to cut out the disease you didn't and so it grows. Right. So the the um the the so each of the seven deadly sins are confronted but they're each confronted as a different disease that um that uh you that you're refusing to cure right so it grows you know it's so this the um the if, when a fever if this is james you, this is james yeah so he's he's saying You let sin you you let sin in, um, or you invite sin in, but it comes in like a disease, and it starts. You know, it seems small, like oh, I can handle you know a little speck on my shoulder. Um, That's not a big deal, but then it turns out to be cancer that metastasizes underneath. So that's the image of the. Each of the the dead, seven deadly sins that he uses, that they're each a different kind of disease that seems uh, small at first, but is deadly, right? That that um, that kills you, right? So that's the first um, thing that evil does is it's a small disease that grows to kill you, um, and then the second image that he uses is the image of false rest. So. Um, that rest at the wrong time that he says, this is a major temptation for Christians that we can, we, and the reason it's a temptation is because we are looking for rest, but there's a time to rest. And there's a time in the, in this case to fight because he's dealing with knights. Um, and so as they go along, one of the temptations that they all have to face is the invitation to sit down and rest. When it's time to fight, you're chasing a monster and you see, Uh, a pool, a a nymph by a pool that says, sit here and rest with me for a while. Right. And she's beautiful. The water's delicious. um, But you're on a mission, right? You're chasing a monster. And so you have to complete that mission. And so that, but the, the knights are tempted by these pools uh, of false rest. And so the, that, that if you stop and you drink from it, then you get the, the sleep, you know that sets in, and so you become useless. You no longer fight uh, because you stopped to rest too soon.
0: David right? and Bathsheba. So
1: exactly. So instead of killing the dragon and then resting, you stop to rest in the chase, and you never kill the dragon. Right. So he said that that that's the other image of of evil. Evil as false rest, and then the last one, and this was this is my favorite one, is the the image of evil as a waste house. Um, mm. and, and this is something that uh, you you used to run into in, in fantasy um, regularly where you get to this, to a house that obviously used to be full of wealth, but now is empty, but the wealth is all still there. So you've mm. got gold everywhere. So you go into a cave and you've got gold everywhere, but, but then, it's covered in spider webs or you go into an old house and there's, it's beautifully decorated and there's marble and there's all this amazing um, decoration and um, expensive, elaborate uh, decor- uh, decorative uh, money that invested into it. And then, but it's empty now, right? So it's a waste house where wealth has become waste because there's nobody using it or, enjoying it or uh it um there's nobody living in it anymore um so you get like you've so you've got a lot of gold but it's um unused unspent unenjoyed ungifted right so when when you when gold is doing what it's supposed to it's decorating somebody it's a you're giving it to somebody you're spending it on somebody it's um it's being used. Uh, as soon as you take all of the gold, let's say you make a bunch of gold dishes and gold platters, um, and then you put it into a cupboard, and then you forget it's there. That is actually something that's evil because that's not what gold isn't. It's so it's a misuse um, when it's uh, a, a, by hoarding. A misuse. So mm. um, the you, you are becoming the dragon, um, or. The, and then everyone dies and so now you've got this horde that's completely unused and he says this is one of the images of the kind of evil that um christians at the end of a you know what christians get involved in a society they're very it's very tra- they're very transformative throughout history um and and wealth does build up because of the wisdom that god's people bring to a situation and they build up a bunch of wealth uh but at the end of that cycle uh, one of the the temptations is then to hoard the wealth rather than to use it for what you're supposed to use it for um uh, for gifting and for spending and you know for all of the things that that um uh, that wealth is good for wealth is is really uh a it's when it's viewed properly, it's the power to love people. Money is the the power to love people. Um, and if you uh, don't use it and you hoard it, then you're saying, I'm not going to use it uh, f- to love people, I'm going to uh, um, keep it to myself. Well, that uh, that actually ends up gutting uh, a society. right? So and so that that image of a house that's full of things that should have been somebody's inheritance but instead uh, never got passed along is, is one of the great societal evils. He's trying to put a picture to one of the great societal evils that he sees in his day where there, you don't have um, the inheritance being properly passed along. And so it's being wasted. So that waste house he says is the, uh, the um, when evil is kind of released into society or when evil is embraced Um instead of getting it, it, the temptation is not, I'm going to try and become a wizard or right? the temptation is, I'm just going to hold back. I'm just going to mm. hold this back for myself and never, never gift it to anyone, never use it, never spend it. Um, you know, this is interesting. Uh,
0: the, um, there are a lot of people talking about the national debt. There's a lot of people talking about how, um, the the supply chain dry up stuff like that and out of all the people talking there's only two folks that I've best challenged that we just recently had George Gilder on the show and he's one of them uh, David Bonson is the only other person I've ever heard talk like this I think he's even pulling it from Gilder but George Gilder said listen the problem isn't even the you know the debt or you know Taxes. It's like the the problem at the end of the day is that people aren't producing, people aren't creating, and people aren't seeking to love their neighbor by creating something better for them than they currently have right now. And so the creation supply side of things is what's the problem. And it's like, and so if people were creating and loving their neighbors through uh, making their lives better or being a blessing to them that has a restorative effect uh, on a, an economic uh, a culture on a, a, a wealthy culture. But when you stop producing and then the only things that stay in cycle of what you had in the past, that stuff gets eaten up and people hoard it and they get, become more restrictive of laws. They, they, you know, they just start clamping down. And, and so then you, you start losing that instead of how can I be a blessing or a gift to people? and 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 man i not only have i i've been thinking about this it's not only inside of the the uh, world of economics but it's also in just everything so you look at the we have twitter and facebook and youtube and all these other social media tiktok whatever you you name them i don't care how bad you think they are they are places that we get to create wealth that that we don't take advantage of we don't even use properly and instead we hoard it and complain about everything that's there and yeah. it's just, you know, and it's so as you're saying that all I can see is, man, there's a whole lot of complaining and not a whole lot of working going on.
1: Right. Well, I, yeah, we don't, we, we don't, we're risk averse as conservatives, especially are incredibly risk averse. Uh, we don't look at it and say, oh man, I, I need to bless people. I need to do this i need to do that i i we think i've got to i've got to protect what's mine um and I, i mean i even think this is you you see this in the second amendment rhetoric you see this in the um financial investment rhetoric you see this in the buy gold rhetoric you know protect what's yours um and the it's it's uh a way, it's a waste house mentality. But, it's a, but I think it's, it is also a mechanistic view of the world, right? That says, um, you know, I've got to, that that doesn't think that the spirit of God is guiding and directing all of this place and that his blessing is the most valuable thing. Cause I, I, I think we, we believe the world is a waste house. Um, and so we imitate it. You know, we, we don't, we don't have the. Uh, um we, we don't, we don't look at it like a, a, the, the symphony, the cathedral, um, the, the, that the spirit of God is, is conducting or the spirit of God is building. And, uh,
0: it's a, isn't it kind of a schizophrenic reality, though? Because.
1: For, yeah, for Christians, I think it is. It's a kind schizophrenic of schizophrenic reality, yeah.
0: We're a little schizophrenic in it because we don't actually believe that, um, but we act like it in some ways. And, and what I'm thinking about is when COVID came, watching John MacArthur's church stand up was like, that one caught me off guard.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Like, and then they come out with a movie called the essential church. And I'm like, now, mind you, he does all this. It's amazing. If you listen to the sermon that he preaches, like we lose down here. You ever heard that one where he, you say we lose uh, down here. I think I should have just. I've heard, heard,
1: heard about it. Yeah. You said, yeah, you yeah. sent me the clip. I didn't listen well, to the whole sermon.
0: Oh, you have to, you have to, it is the mass. I haven't seen a more schizophrenic sermon in my whole life because he takes the first 20 minutes of before he starts preaching and shows all the victories of the church in the fight against COVID. <laughs> I mean, he's like, God helped us here. We won here. We won here. They tried to take this away from us. The police stood with us here. I mean, he just goes off and listen. Everybody's appraising God. They were almost like a charismatic church. It was so loud in there. It was rumbling with joy and praise and victory in the audience. I mean, they were
1: clapping. And then, it was. And then he am- tapped it down.
0: And then they come and the sermon is, we lose down here. We don't win down here. And it was like, I've never seen such a schizophrenic. And this is, and so when I see moments like that, I'm thinking exactly what you think. Here's his wealth. And in one sense, it's being gathered up because they made a whole film, The Essential Church, to talk tell people that the kingdom of God that's here on earth is being victorious and the message of God is spreading to let everybody know he's the real King and you don't get to tell what to do down here. Bottom line, he does. And you need to submit to him. There isn't a more postmodern post uh, millennial film than this one. Right. I don't, they've never, and it's made by dispensationalists. Right. I, I don't think you, I don't think anybody has made a more post mill film than the essential church. And yet we lose down here. It's just this weird schizophrenic reality. And in one sense, it's holding up still. It's still got pillars of evangelicalism running through it. That's holding up uh, Christendom in America. And at the same time saying, yeah, we're not supposed to be doing that. It's so
1: weird. That is really weird.
0: You know, when I look at it, they should have never made the film, The Essential Church, if they believe their eschatological reality. Those two things don't go together.
1: The and and but they're they're trying to be guided by the scriptures, and I think this is what reformation looks like. I think so too. I think you're right. that you learn something new, you say, Amen, charge, and then you say, Oh, wait, we're being inconsistent because you bump into stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, you go, Oh, we're being you know, we're being inconsistent here and there, and so I think this is the so. Um and I think I'm sure everybody's pointing out the inconsistency no imagine
0: no no nope. no no. I'm not heard it anywhere
1: no <laughs> okay no. everybody's just like hey this is a great documentary
0: let me say let me say oh yeah nobody's pointing out the film is in, no I will say that I think Nate and those guys over at Canon pointed out they did a show and we don't we do win down here like that's what the okay. cross was what do you think the cross was God Puts on flesh, becomes a man, defeats Satan on earth at the cross, raised from the dead on earth, you know, from the grave, you know, and and ascended into heaven from earth and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go make disciples and tell them and transform and teach them to obey everything I commanded you. We win down here. We won down here. It's already victory. Like, it's not like, oh, we will win. No, we've already have. That's past tense. We won down here in Christ and Christ is in the process of transforming the whole world. And we're just in the beginning of it, right? Um, And so they did a good job talking about that, but I haven't heard anybody talk about the film is a massive contradiction and praise God for it, right? Like that's, like yeah. it, it is, and and I love it. I love it so much. I love that they changed their mind on COVID. I love that they are pushing forward. I love that John MacArthur's even saying before the film. He, I heard him talking at one uh, showing saying, "I want to make sure that other people feel guilty for closing their doors." I'm like, "Yeah, my <laughs> guy. That's my guy." You know, right? Um, and yet I they the the only way that that is a a reality is if it's not mechanistic.
1: Right. Right. If we look at it and we say, this is the spirit, we we look at the end of the day, we say, thank you for the work of the spirit of God within us to be able to stand. Thank you for the work of the spirit of God, um, giving us this victory, that victory, um, that, that the active presence of the Holy Spirit is, um, uh, that's the primary blessing. All other blessings are, um, are it, it's like you know, we've got a Sunday and they're like, oh, and we're going to put whipped cream on it and we're going right. to put a cherry on it, right? But we've already got the Sunday because we have this, the Holy Spirit is actively present with us, um, guiding and directing and, and giving us, uh, Himself, right? So God Himself is the, is the, um, the the reward i guess i mean it's not a reward that we earned it's a it's a gift um but that's that's the heart of it and um and so we want that relationship to be good and solid uh and the blessings all flow from that um and everything else is just a a benefit on top of it um but it's their real blessings that are personal gifts they're they're not mechanistically given. Mm. It's not just God set the world up in a certain way, do this, this will happen. Um, you, God is, is with us. He's Francis Schaeffer said he is there and he is not silent, right? He is present with us and he is continually speaking and he is continually, uh, uh present in a non mechanistic way. Um, uh, I mean, the, the, this is this comes down. To, it goes down. To, this is why you see all the weird, goofy stuff that people do in the liturgies, their liturgies right now, is because they don't believe that God has promised to show up on a Sunday morning by the power of the Spirit, be present, be active, be speaking. Uh, if if we know God is going to show up and be speaking, we're not going to put on silly outfits and do skits to hope, you know, to, to try and get people to you know, try and work people up, or we're not going to try and, you know, do a musical number that gets people all excited or, you know, um in the, you know, I don't know that I saw that Easter clip. I think you sent me the Easter clip. <laughs> you said like, what the heck is going on? And it was like some, they, they did a bunch of like pop songs yeah in a, Yeah. Um, Montage montage of pop in the middle of the worship service to get people riled up. Like you don't do that. If you expect the God who created the world by his word to show up and talk again, right. Mm. um, If, because that becomes the heart of it, the heart of everything becomes God is going to speak and God is going to feed us. Right. And so he's going to be here. So we're going to, sing his praises. We're going to pray to him because he's here with us listening. Um, but if you know, Hey, if I show up here, the God who created me, he's going to speak a, a, a word of forgiveness over me. He's going to give me guidance and direction for my life. Tell me who I am and what I'm here for. Uh, he is going to feed me. And then he is going to personally speak a blessing over me through his, uh, f- through his, uh, um the 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 voice box that he's put here on earth through his his minister he's going to speak a blessing over me that will then define the rest of my week. If you believe that you don't you're not trying anything uh manipulative at all because you don't need to. The God who created you by his word is going to come he's come over here he's going to recreate you by his word. Mm. Right. there isn't better than that there, there, there isn't gonna there isn't something that is better than that so you're not gonna try and out do god um if you if you believe that that's the kind of world we live in where god has set up the rhythms of the world He says, just count to count to seven and get come here every seventh day <laughs> hey so gather up you know,
0: a- <laughs> uh, go ahead i i i've, I've- Go ahead.
1: You just get, you know, every, every seventh day gather right here and I'll meet you and I'll speak to you again. And, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's that kind of world is not mechanistic. It's personal. Mm. Uh, And and I think that's where that, that's the reason that um, Mm. we we do so many goofy things is we, we're trying Mm. to, uh, we we have that, uh, oh yeah we we have that uh we bought
0: into the mythos of the
1: the metaphysics we we have we believe in the metaphysics of of magicians and so we think we got to do something special um instead of a regular regular church
0: you know it's funny that was um i remember being being a charismatic it was weird for me to watch other denominations pray and they prayed so matter-of-factly, like they were talking to a friend. And I'm not saying that they were being irreverent. I'm saying that they would say, Lord, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. We ask that you heal John, and we hope that you would also take care of his family, provide for him, and give him all the blessings he need." In Jesus' name, amen. And I'd be like, boy, you ain't even prayed. <laughs> Like, what was that? Like, you got to, Lord, I want you to come down right now. We need you to put your hand in John's heart. Start that thing to beat. I mean, and if you didn't, if you ain't praying with that kind of urgency and fervency, you ain't prayed as far as we were concerned. We were like, all right, that's that's nice and all, but I'm going to need somebody to really pray for me because I'm about to die. And so I need somebody <laughs> who is going to hear, going to get the ear of the Lord and have him. T- if I don't feel it, you ain't prayed. But there is in that thinking was a mechanistic type of magician that yeah. was that was trying to manipulate in one sense as if something I did or something I can do uh can move the heart of God instead of what he has done and what he will do. Um and so the, the, the justification and the sanctification, the him and his sovereignty would would operate versus my ability to get his attention. Right. Now I'm not right. I'm not clowning on fervent prayer, I think that there is absolutely, I believe in fervent prayer, but the way that we thought about it was a way that we were manipulating, or not manipulating, we we were somehow having an effect in our own ability, like a magician, to get God to move for us, instead yeah. of understanding the relationship between the two, and then coming to God boldly to ask him like a friend or a brother, right? Uh, and it was just, it was a difference in in thinking about that
1: <laughs> there's an old, there's an older doctrine called unction uh-huh. that we don't yeah. even I, like, we literally don't even have the word in our vocabulary anymore. Not but anymore. Is,
0: the old folks used it, to say it all the time.
1: Yeah. And I, and it's the, it is the, um, the, when prayer is walking in the spirit, that's how I like to describe it. Mm. Right? When, uh, when the spirit of God is the, is both the source and, and the deliverer of our prayers, right? So he, he, when the spirit of God, the spirit of God works within us to pray the prayers to, to have the desires to pray the prayers to that. He then takes and delivers by Christ to the ear of the father. Uh, And that, that uh, so that the unction and it's the same with, preaching so the unction is the spirits uh the the spirits to work on the transformation of our desires mm. or the direct the directing of our desires so that when somebody says when when a preacher says this is the passage i'm going to preach on mm-hmm. that um that that is the work of the spirit yeah we used to say the, uh, he's under the unction of the spirit right so, there under the unction of the spirit right so and um and you can, and because uh, of the understanding of the world as personally directed, including my own life, and that you can then resist the unction of the spirit. Uh, you know that. So if you say, "Oh man, if I preach on this, I'm going to lose the respectability of oh. the, the fellows at the university." Um, so we avoid. So the so the spirit pushes us in a direction and we say no right you can resist the unction of the spirit by uh because of sin um but then when when you get when somebody gets up into the pulpit and preaches and it hits you know um you know the my uh one of my sons recently was like man uh, that sermon made me feel so bad about myself it was uh, so good (laughs) you know that that like that conviction that we feel that we know is directing us towards life where you say, Oh yeah, you're right. I have been, I've been leaning towards death in that part of my life. I want to, it helps me lean towards life. We can, we can say thank you to the pastor. Um, thanks for your work, preaching that sermon. Um, and thank you to the spirit because the, the spirit is working within the pastor. Thank you for that sermon. That was just what I needed. Um, and there you don't have the wills it's you it's in a mechanistic world you say well whose will was it because you can't have the coexistence of wills um and
0: that's interesting you, you don't get the whereas, overlapping of co- of covenants either in that world
1: either you don't have right. anything that overlaps it's all it's a because it's a power-based system you so you can't have um the overlapping of wills, the overlapping of covenants, the, the, uh, the, the overlapping of uh, intentions. Dude,
0: that's where you got Arminianism. That's where Arminianism lives. Right? Because
1: Uh, I, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So Mm. this is why, um, this is why when somebody says, well, I'm an Arminian, not a Calvinist. I always just ask, okay, well, do you have to say thank you for everything about your salvation? And if they say yes, then I'm like, ah, it's fine. I don't care if you're how you decide. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, well, you know, <laughs> I, We're we're on the same page. If you have to say thank you to the spirit for everything, including your own conversion in, and and the the work of the evangelist. And if you have to say thank you for everything, then we're we're dealing in the same cosmos. Yeah. I'm fine. If I, they say, I, Well, I, no, I mean there's part that I did, they right. say, okay. We're not dealing in the same cosmos, and that's the real issue we um is not the not you know not the, the doctrinal necessarily yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah right right it's a it's um yeah it's really interesting I've been working through that we have a cosmological issue, not necessarily that we have um we see the verses so different you just live in a completely mechanistic cosmology, and so yeah. I can fight with you what i need to do is restructure even like your genesis one areas right like who's kind of
1: because i've met calvinists that don't want to say thank you for all of it either because it was election where i'm saved by the by election so if i say thank you
0: god just made me say thank you
1: (laughs) right yeah so you're like okay well you're you're we're not dealing in the same cosmos either so you know um that's you know
0: or were you thankful
1: So yeah, so some there are some of the places where some of my you know the uh, places where ministry that you know my wife and I were doing was really effective in people's lives. We were joined together with folks that were Armenians by de- by self definition, but they were more convinced that it had to be the work of Christ to save somebody than anybody I'd ever met. <laughs> Right. So, you're like, yeah, you're, you, you can call yourself whatever you want. Uh, you, you're, you, um, you and I are dealing in the exact same cosmos where this, the, the ongoing presence of the Spirit of God is what makes us effective t- to serve the Lord and what transforms the world around us um, or restores the world around us to, to uh, God's intention. So, sorry, I'm
0: distracting you. I thought I, but cut my ear. I'm like, I think I cut my ear,
1: <laughs> bleeding.
0: Um, did you get everything that you wanted out of this? is really good. So I got, uh, energetic and evil versus the passive evil. Energetic. Um,
1: yeah. Um,
0: I I I, I I thought about it like this: the energetic, while it's a threat for Christians, because um, it's actually trying to it's witchcraft trying to uh, get at the good ends apart from the good God. Um, passive is really more of the threat for Christians because of the um, the small sins that spoil the vine, little foxes that yeah. spoil the vine. Um, the tendency to want to, since we know there's a Sabbath, we're always looking for but you don't Sabbath on any other day but the Sabbath. You rest after you fight, right? You rest after yeah. you fight. And yeah. we tend to want and sometimes to rest in the fight.
1: <laughs> right. You, and sometimes you... Uh, you know you rest surrounded by your enemies cuz god says now's the yeah. time to rest well that's a good sabbath um, right <laughs> but yeah, that's a good sabbath uh but when but there's always a temptation to um to rest before the fight's done um and then one of the things that i think uh one of the you know, we see throughout throughout history in, in paganism um when like in in hinduism the highest uh priests that um were the ones uh this is going to sound weird at first but like, let me explain were hermaphrodites people that were born with both sets of genitals they were oh they were immediately made into high priests um the um but they still do that they still do that yeah in hinduism um and in uh but they also do uh um they trans um people for the same purpose right so uh Mm -hmm. there is a there's a kind of priest there you never don't have a priesthood you always end up with a priesthood in a mechanistic world though um the priests you end up with priests that uh, uh priesthoods made of people that are um transgressing uh creational boundaries because what priests do is they stand across boundaries Mm. and so a true priest um of god stands uh, between god and people and and lifts them across boundaries the 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 verb used for the act of a priest is to oblate, to lift across a boundary.
0: Like Moses um, did when he stood on the mountain, he saw heaven, and yep. then he could also see earth, and the command was to take heaven and put it on earth. The tabernacle, yep. right? And exactly, right. So you
1: so you have this boundary between heaven and earth, the firmament, um, but Moses stands across it by the power of the Spirit, by the active presence of God, by him drawing moses up and then sending him back and all of those things he ends up oblating the people to god he ends up carrying and then the priest actually wears the the tribes upon himself when he goes in because he's carrying the people across he's oblating the people to god well you people as people made in the image of god can't not have a priesthood Mm. in a mechanistic world what you end up with is the people that become priests that are given the priestly duties are the ones that um, that cross the creational boundaries or attempt to cross creational limitations mm. to deny creational limitations, and so what's happening and is what's going to happen more and more is that um, homosexuals and trans folks are are they're becoming the priestly class in our society um, because they are uh, crossing, you know, the, they're, they're denying the creational boundaries. Um, and that, uh, so we're going to face a religious fervor in, op- when we oppose it, where we think, I think we tend to think that this is some sort of cultural, cultural thing a cultural you know but this is actually a return to a to a magical view of the world uh, and w- so we need to start looking out for the places that we act like magicians that are that we let our priests and pastors and people act like magicians uh instead and and um you know, get our hearts right before the Lord. Um, and I think it's easy as Protestants to say, Hey, like the mass, <laughs> like the old, that older view of the mass where they say magic words and the internal state of it changes. Um, the, but Richard that's Dawkins is f- talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Richard Dawkins talks about it. But I, and I think this is wh- where he, he, and he, cause so he, so that Aristotelian, view um, makes it possible for a mechanistic in a mechanistic setting, it makes it possible for a priest to have the magic words that can transform the internal nature of a thing without the external accidents of a thing as as Aristotle put it, shifting and changing. Now we need to, to resist every place where we act that way um, and because it's our immune system that's compromised right so if a person can just one day say hey i'm a i'm a man and we have to say oh they're a man today and that gives them actually they have some sort of priestly power over their i their identity their that they can speak over the speak over themselves and that internal nature changes, even though the accidents, the externals don't change at all. Um, and, and then we're required to help them get the externals into the right um, shape to go along with the internals. Um, anything that we do as Christians that that is like that, we just need to stop doing it, right? And so um, somebody doesn't become a Christian because they have declared themselves a Christian that. They, we, our words don't have that kind of power over our identity over, over our nature. Right. Um, We become a Christian by water and the spirit, right? We are born again by water and the spirit. We are not born again by our own declaration because we are not, that's not what our priesthood is does our priesthood is not over reality uh, we, we our priesthood um the 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 individualism that um uh, of the modern world is an attempt to have the priesthood of all believers in a mechanistic universe without Christ right that that is what we are seeing run rampant right now is the priesthood of all believers without Christ in a mechanistic world. So I can, my, I can make a declaration over myself and the, the, in my internal nature is changed by it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, our words don't have that kind of power. Uh, that's not, and, and we need to resist that in the place where it's, we're most tempted to, which is waiting around for somebody to declare themselves a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, does evangelicalism words do that?
0: Does evangelical know does evangelicalism know anything else other than that? That's all we know. Right. Evangelicalism only knows credible professions. so then if you make one then you're in.
1: Right. But I think we if we're treating that mechanistically or if we're treating it like it's the words that did it and not stopping and this is where the thankfulness comes in, mm. right? Um, it has to be a work of the spirit it has to be a work of the spirit ha- and and um, and this is something I, that I learned from my Baptist uncle right my who who he, he said it, you know if somebody says um, well here's you know I, I decided to become a Christian at this point um he said you, you, as a pastor you don't do it in front of everybody because that'd be embarrassing but you do pull them aside and say you know though that the spirit, is what made you a christian right like and just helping people learn to just to, to not treat it like they it's made themselves a christian like it's mechanistic i i'm the one who did this i'm the i'm the one that has authority over me um now i think historically within the reform tradition one of the things that's most helpful I, th- I think is Calvin's understanding of the relationship between regeneration and baptism that he says is not, it's they're not united by time. They're united by the work of the spirit. Right. So that when you say, when did I become a Christian? Um, the, uh, that the, that our regeneration is tied covenantally to our baptism. And so we can say, well, I became a Christian at my baptism. Um, and even if you say, and that baptism became an internal reality for me when I was 32, right? That that the baptism is still spiritually tied to our our regeneration, and the regeneration is spiritually tied to our baptism because we're told by God, it's by water and the Spirit that we become a Christian, right? So it doesn't matter if those two things are at the same time, one's before the other, the other's before the other, right? None of that. We're, we're told that, that that's how we become a Christian, right? That what regeneration is by water and the spirit. And so even if in time they're separate, that we should say, you no, know, theologically, God God's act has tied them together, right? So that, um, you know, we're, because we're not in a ticking clock, we don't tie, we don't have to tie things by moments of time. Um, we, this isn't a clock that God wound up. This is the the active Spirit of God who's outside of time, working within time. Um, that those two things are tied together. So my I became a Christian when the at my baptism and at the regeneration of my spirit. <laughs> Right. And, they're, and those are both true. So I think that's a helpful, and I don't think this is a Baptist versus Pado baptist issue. Uh, it's a magical worldview versus a Holy Spirit-led worldview issue. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, but I don't know yeah it does make sense i just don't i think you have i think you pulled off one layer of the onion that has 90 other to go for that to be able to resonate because there's so much that we've been through that's been this is why we started doing this is because um when we started doing this i realized how much of a gnostic i was wasn't trying to be but that's what i was yeah right uh had narcissism all laced inside of my christianity and I think it's the same thing with this mechanistic. Uh, my cosmology started to change, and I think it's the same thing with this mechanistic understanding of the world, which is why we're going through images of uh, with Spencer images, of
1: Spencer's life,
0: images of life, Spencer's yeah. images of life with C.S. Lewis leading the way, is because we're trying to reshape the cosmology for Christians so that they understand the world, it, the cosmological understanding biblically instead of the more secular one with Christianity over the top, uh, uh, over the top of it. And I think it's, it takes a lot for people to rework that structure. And I don't know if this going to, you know, we were talking about earlier about theological fights and stuff like that. I think we're going to, I think there's a lot more work underneath that needs to be done for people to understand that that's a reality and that's what they're doing. I don't, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, this is, this is like a, a light, the lifelong, Process because it's one thing to realize you're a gnostic. It's another to realize what a Christian view of the cosmos is. Like, yeah, I and, know. And, oh, I know. Yeah, I know. It, I'm challenged constantly by it. <laughs> yeah, and then it's another to change our habits. Like, you know, um, because it's it's it is hard.
0: This is what those habits. This is what's so hard. So I work in the area of politics and thinking about politics all the time. And politics is just Machiavellian uh, mechanistic cosmology that's functioning all the time. And so when you tell people, listen, you're not going to get out of this through politics. Everybody wants to hang you, both sides, because everybody wants power to be able to manipulate reality. And even people who's like, well, the family's away. You got to get married. You got to have kids. They're thinking about it mechanistically. And it's like- you need to be, and this is where C- Christian humanism comes in. You can't be human without being human. You need to be, a, <laughs> right, right? right? You can't be human yeah. without being human. And it sounds like, but you you can't, you need to become a human being. You need to become a man. You need to become a woman. You need to live faithfully in marriage together before God, And that this is why last week's show was so good, too, is because there is in that covenant of reality, God blesses what flows out of it. Right. Um, And then he blesses it. And then you see in Psalms, he blesses it so that when you go to the gates to fight, make war with your enemies, you won't be put to shame. Right. Right. Because they're arrows. (laughs) Your kids are. Well, we don't even know what it is that creates arrows anymore. Like we don't have a real, th- that love, that covenant overlapping re- reality. Like that's, everybody talks about family, but they talk about family for the re- for a structure to have a good society instead of that's what's birthed out of faithfulness and love to God in covenant with God that fa- otherwise you're cursed, right? You can right. put families together and everybody's like, well, yeah, that's a lesser curse. It's like, who wants a lesser curse? Right. It's like, what were you we saying? We want the energetic evil you want a passive evil that's all you're arguing for at that point yeah. right
1: like, and so what if we've got something that's not evil
0: yeah <laughs> have you ever thought about that um and so it, it, there is so much mech- mechanistic cosmology that flows throughout even our conservative politics and conservative thinking because and I get it everybody just wants to put it back right but you don't just get the chance to um to what What did he call it um magician uh metaphysical magician,
1: magician.
0: Yeah. because that's the kind of way where it's like i just put it back and now everything works right that's mechanistic right that magician yeah. gets to say i just put the cog back in the machine now the whole thing works right it, it doesn't it doesn't really work like that it, this is long time faithfulness to god reaps a form of blessing right out of relationship with him and then you become more human and and then over time God blesses this is like well I think we're in a 20 25 year battle and if you keep thinking that you're going to put this thing just with a one piece back and it starts working automatically right it doesn't work like
1: that you know yeah um well this is, this is why uh you're going to really like the transgenderism book from David because David Fowler because it he he shows that um that on the legal side that this was a long fought legal loss to get here right and so you that which makes the expectation a long fought legal battle to get out of this legal situation Mm. right so you don't so if there's a whole series of laws that are overturned or passed legal theories Uh, untaught and new ones retaught that it it gives you a a way to say, Oh, well, okay, let's move that direction then. And I don't have to win everything right away. And for, you know, I can make it, I can three steps in the right direction is three steps in the right direction. Um, mm. You know, even if you, if you have to take a hundred, if it's a hundred steps away, um, three steps in the right direction leaves people three steps closer. So that's um, the, it, you
0: know, that's funny is we've, we've fought this issue on abortion versus the incrementalist versus the um, uh, abolitionists. Ab- right. And, yeah. and I think some of the abolitionists are waking up to this, but just because people are incremental doesn't mean that they're not going the right direction right, right. and i think and some, sanctification the, the, yeah go ahead sanctification works that way anyway.
1: yeah it really does but i think that i think that that there are incrementalists though that the abolitionists have helped wake up wake up too well i think they've <laughs> done
0: a great thing where they've like those guys were horrible they weren't incrementalists they were what was that the um they were the passive evil,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And, they were the um, passive. They were resting, and, and so, so there were incrementalists in that that were like, "Whoa, no, we're just we're this. We're just doing the, the incremental thing." And yeah. the abolitionists came along and said, "Have you actually judged the yeah. the fruit? Have you right. have you been paying attention? Have you judged the fruit?" And a lot they were of right, they were incrementalists. Right. Were like, "Oh, oh, look at that. We have not been judging the fruit, um, and that's." that's hugely important. And so, you know, fell um, asleep
0: at the water with the NIF, but
1: that's exactly it. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't every incrementalist, um, that did, but there was a, but a lot of them did. And there was a lot of grifters. That's the other thing that yeah, I had true. no idea about until, that's true. <laughs> until, um, until I made friends with a bunch of abolitionists who were like, you know, <laughs> let me point out that you're like, They yeah, have been so yeah, helpful. Yeah. They've been, Yeah um you know that i and i'm i feel like i'm still learning the 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 uh oh learning the landscape on even the debates because i'm like well of course i'm an abolitionist i want it abolished right um and then there are some abolitionists that w- w- don't can't celebrate any victory except for the complete abolition right um when I think there's a, a lot of legal battles and if you win one, we should celebrate and then move on to the next one. So uh, yeah. And, but sometimes people have been celebrating things that are actually losses as if they're victories too. <laughs> and, that, and I think that's a, a huge problem that the abolitionists have pointed out and I'm grateful for.
0: I think they have. No, that's real. All right. Chapter five, mutability mutability that's next week man it's so then and that's a short chapter too oh, and then it goes on the image of good image of good is a long chapter long that's a long chapter
1: yeah because because good is so much more substantial than evil
0: Mutability. All right. Should we just do mutability next week then? Yeah, let's just right. do mutability. Maybe I'll watch Barbie by then.
1: <laughs> hey, yeah, Maybe. You, can tell me, you can tell me what you think.
0: Yeah. I'm still not happy with Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I think they failed us. I want you know, here's the thing about okay, I'll say this and I'll I'll end. The thing about there is a <laughs> there is a covenant that you make with your childhood. Heroes, a covenant to them, they make to you, you're unified. And when you grow up and you have kids, you're extending that, that covenant reality. If it changes, you, you, you don't have covenant anymore. If they're not the same, if they don't commit to the same realities that you understood and your kids can't connect to them so that when they rebirth them, they don't know that they don't connect they break covenant with you and I feel like Ninja Turtles broke covenant with me I feel like they, I, and I love that there's realities there's truths there there's good things there to glean from it but they did it without connecting nine year old Knox to you know my new son who's nine years old and the 13 year old I, I, I feel like they wouldn't even know who these guys are anymore
1: it's but like, they, they're, that they didn't hold to the canon
0: right Right. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm not so much concerned about their storytelling. Uh, one part of their storytelling I'm concerned about. They were too obsessed with the fly thing. Right? Like, oh my goodness, there's mutants. It's like, they're like us. I guess we can hang out with them, kind of. Yeah. That that, that was weird for me. I mean, I guess their 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 morals were so high always that they wouldn't have been fooled and Bebop and Rocksteady were good guys.
1: (laughs) That was the part that, that part, I, the, the conversion of Bebop and Rocksteady, but it's, we're going to have to see what they do because Bebop and Rocksteady just like went along with it and were not active characters. And that, that did bother me. I, I also think that there was a, that there was a weird, that that part, it felt like they were after a, a particular kind of thing. Where was it? Because uh, Splinter's thing was there are no other mutants; we're the only ones. And so then they meet other mutants. And they're like, "Oh, they must be like us." And it turns out that there's a moral, a moral uh, distinction that was never made about the ontological difference um that mutants have but uh, um and yeah th- I think that was a weakness for sure
0: yeah I'm not yeah you know yeah this is I feel like the same way I felt when I first watched the the first X-Men right at least they got some of the characters better in the first it was a 2000 X-Men Right. The very, very first one. The Remember very, when they first one, yeah, yeah. and they, they changed their uniforms and, and Wolverine wasn't wearing his traditional uniform. You're like, what is this all le- black yeah. leather stuff? Right. Somebody doesn't like our story. That's how I felt. <laughs> I felt like a, a pagan is trying to tell a Christian story and they don't know this ain't how it went. And I'm like, yo, that's not no. No, that's not right. That's not how it goes. You know? And so it the, just felt like that too.
1: Just go just go rewatch the second Michael Bay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you'll be good.
0: Yeah, I like the first one too.
1: Oh yeah, but the second one was the, like the was the best one. I thought.
0: It, I mean, they had brain in there, a crane in there. I was just, I just loved it. It was great. Yeah, yeah. it right. was. All right.